Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today is study number one of Daniel chapter three. And we're going to be reading uh, the first 18 verses. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and the breadth there, thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces, to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time... When all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever! Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now if you be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made? Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, 
O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I'll stop reading there. Now this is one of the best known stories in the Bible. It's a story many children have been told, and many Christians are familiar with, if not even people in the world. And it stands out. It stands out because of the faithfulness of these three men and their seeming fearlessness. Actually, we don't know if they were afraid. Um, they could have said these things, and, and the Bible just records their words, and it's not recording maybe their anxiety. It, it's not recording their um, nervousness, and the, the threat was obvious. And uh, this king was no one to be defied. He, he was a very evil, ruthless king. So we don't know the whole situation, but we do know that even if they did feel uh, some uh, trepidation, some, some uh, fear, or at least acknowledgement of the situation, the danger, yet that's, that's not important. What's important is the reaction that despite maybe the the fleshly desire uh, to protect themselves, and we can be sure they had that because they were people just like we're people today. And God saves the soul of his elect at first. The body's not saved until uh, the last day. And and so they had unsaved bodies, and and certainly in their soul there was great confidence and faith, and they wanted to do the will of God. But there would have been a struggle within them, like there is within any believer. A struggle to take the easy way out, to submit, and, and to um, just give in. Just give in. Don't be stupid. Don't be foolish. Just simply do what everybody else is doing. Look around you. Take a look around. The, the flesh would have been screaming within them. Look. It was a command to, uh, to all the rulers of all the provinces and the captains, judges, treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, and, and all the people that were within Babylon to fall down and look around and what do you see? You see everyone else has obeyed it. Everyone else has, has succumbed. They, they, they have fallen to their knees. Just, they'll tell you if you would ask them, come on, get down with us. We, we don't like it either. We don't want to do this either, but you just do it. It only takes a second, and and then it'll be over. We'll all stand back up, and we'll forget all about it. It doesn't mean anything. Just fall down. Don't make a scene. 
Don't cause a stir. Are you, are you stupid? Do you want to die? You know he'll do what he says. He'll throw you into a burning, fiery furnace. So get down here. And certainly it wasn't just all the other nations, but there were Jews in Babylon besides Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what, what did many of them do? Many of them were right there with all the other nations bowing down, bowing down and telling themselves, well, uh, I'm a captive. I'm, I'm stuck here in this city. And as they say, when in Rome, do as the Romans. If there's never been a more worldly thought than that, I don't know that, uh, the, the idea is conform to submit to the authority, the power, the, the pressure, the peer pressure and, and submit or die, especially in those circumstances. What else can you do? There's no other option is how the natural minded mind would view it. And, and in a worldly way, they would be exercising common sense. It, it's the obvious thing to do. Later on, maybe you rebel. Maybe you try to escape. Maybe you, you fight even later on. But now in these circumstances, in this particular situation, there's no way to escape. And even if you, you, Refuse to bow down. What will it get you? Except, uh, uh, awful death. Who, who wants to burn alive in that terrible furnace? And you're, you're just going to burn up. It, it's a very painful death. And, and so feeling, uh, pressured and, and feeling there's no other choice. Everyone bows down. Everyone but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God's people, God's elect. You know, this is why a good number of people don't like God's elect. They really despise them because it makes them look bad. When, when these three refuse to bow down, it really highlights what everyone else has done, that they have given in. They, they have in fear, weakness, they have bowed their knee and they have submitted uh, under threat, but still they've submitted to the king of Babylon and these three did not. These three did not. And you know, I don't think we should think that the people uh, that were there, all those people that fell down, that were thinking that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were some heroes or, or wonderful people, uh, a good number of people who fell down were probably despising them and, and probably thinking that they were uh, going to be killed and they would deserve it, that they... They didn't do what they were told like we have. And 
they're they're really making us look bad. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not concerned. Well, we can't say they weren't concerned. They actually, deep down in in their flesh, they probably were concerned with what people were thinking. But their concern was overrided. Whatever fear they had was overrided. What whatever the the natural thoughts of man would be that would say, just fall down, why don't you? It was overrided. And it was overrided by something within that God places inside of those people that he saves, his spirit. And when God saves a person and gives them a new heart and a new spirit, he also gives them a desire to do the will of God. And that desire, that, that strong desire to do the will of God overrided everything else because these three young Hebrew men knew that God commanded that, that images were not to be made and certainly they were not to be bowed down to. It says in Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, And God spake all these words, saying, I am Jehovah thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, Jehovah thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now, the three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, knew this commandment. It's uh, one of the Ten Commandments, and and certainly they were aware of it. They were also aware that the people of Judah, the leaders of Judah, had violated this commandment. And, and, and that was one of the main reasons that God had given up the nation of Judah into the hands of the Babylonians so that King Nebuchadnezzar could overcome them. And it, it was why so many Jews were taken into captivity. And God allowed a heathen nation like Babylon to defeat his own people because they were not faithful. On this point especially, they did bow the knee in their high places, they they fell into the worship of other gods, and and so this this is a very telling point. And as we've seen already, the book of Daniel is picturing the great tribulation that comes at the end of the world, the end of the church age, and 
It, it is uh, a book in which the people of God are um, faced with uh, with strong testing. Where th- from the very beginning in Daniel chapter one, uh, Daniel and his friends were tested with the food they would eat, the the drink they would drink. Uh, the the king of Babylon had uh, prescribed certain food and drink that went against the law of God, and they requested and and were proven ten days um, in in eating pulse. And we discussed that. We we saw how uh, that was the first test early on concerning their diet, and and now it's. Uh, it, it, they're still in Babylon, and they're still being tried and tested. And the test always comes back to the Bible, to the Word of God, to what God has said, and to what the King of Babylon is now saying, contradicting what God has said. And the King of Babylon demands obedience. He he demands submission to his commandment, to his will, to the image he has set up. And this all ties in with Satan's role at the end of time uh, during the Great Tribulation when when God looses him. And, and so we, uh, we see here that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to submit. It's not that they want to be different. It's not that they, you know, they, they don't want to be like everyone else. Sometimes the world views the child of God, our families, our neighbors, our co-workers, and, and they, they just shake their head. Why aren't you like us? Why aren't you like everyone else? Why are you so different? You know, like at work when when the job switches to Sunday work, and and the child of God goes to the boss and says, "I'm sorry, but I can't work Sundays." And you know, you you'll have to get someone else for that day. I'll work twenty four seven the other days if you want, but I can't work that day. And they may try and pressure him. They may try and threaten him. They may. Um, actually fire him. But no matter what, the child of God says, I'm sorry. And by God's grace, sometimes it works out and they do adapt and, and adjust things and he doesn't have to work on that day. But still, there, everybody else is working that day. No one else has a problem with the switch. Actually, some of them like it. it, uh, it it's... It's a day, um, you know, maybe they get paid a little bit more. And why do you have a problem with it? And they don't understand. They don't understand. Or in the home, when there there's a woman and her husband is beating her, or her husband is abusing her, or her husband is a drunk and, and he... He's lost his job and she's talking with her friends and her friends say, because she's been married to the same guy for 20 years, why don't you 
divorce him. Are, are, are you silly? Why don't you divorce him? Why do you keep putting up with this? Get out of there. You have to do what's right for you. You, you, you have to, um, finally do something for yourself. And they're giving all kinds of very wise, worldly advice that the world, uh, of course, uh, it's very obvious to them. This is the thing the wife should do. And yet the wife's the child of God. And she says, no, I can't. The, the Bible tells me that there's not to be divorced. And, and no matter what, we're married. And, and they shake their head. They shake their head thinking, what a fool. What, uh, you're, you're doing something that is bringing you discomfort and, and, and pain and, they don't understand being willing to lose your job or being willing to continue in a marriage that causes tears and a lot of crying and you're continuing on. No, the world does not suffer for these kinds of things. The world and the people of the world do not it experience pain and suffering it, it, for these things if they can help it. And so that, that's really what's going on here. You're going, Daniel, uh, not Daniel, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, are going to experience suffering for something needless, the people of the world would say. And, and by the way, concerning Daniel, why isn't he um, brought before the king, or why wasn't Daniel accused? Well, obviously Daniel wasn't there. Now I'm not sure how Daniel got out of it. It's not that he tried to get out of it, but um, it, it, in all probability he was away. He he could have been in in another land conducting the king's business, and just was not. Something, even though the king had this image to be set up, uh, there was some other matter that Daniel was taking care of. I don't think we should think that that Daniel also was there refusing to bow down. Of course, if he would have been there, he would have refused to bow down along with the other three. And And it could be, it's a slight possibility, that knowing that Daniel was recently elevated by the king and 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 honored by the king they wouldn't dare mess with him even if he were there refusing to bow down they still would have pointed out the other three but but it it, it since Daniel isn't even mentioned in the account i i think it it's just obvious he was not there he he was somewhere else for some other reason God doesn't get into that. The focus is on these three in this chapter and not Daniel. Daniel will have the focus on him later on with the lion's den. Where again, if we we turn to Daniel chapter 6, in Daniel 6 verse 7, 
It says all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. See, again, we, we see that a law is passed under the threat of death. In, in this case, being cast into the lion's den, uh, it becomes the law of the land. And the child of God, Daniel, does not submit. And, and here, the, the king, the ruler of the people in Daniel 3 is making a proclamation. It's a decree. It's a law. Everyone must bow down when you hear the music, the sound of the cornet and flute and everything. You must bow down. You must fall down and worship. It is a law that all are subjected to within the kingdom. There are no exceptions. This is the law of land. Now, Actually, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but but we we should address it. The, what is the child of God's role when it comes, or what is the child of God's position when it comes to uh, the government issuing laws? And the Bible's actually um, very very uh, clear. And, and God's word is very straightforward on this point. You know, sometimes you, you hear professed believers who, who are, uh, complaining about the government and, and taxes and, and they're, um, you know, it's never good to complain about government or, because, or, or the rulers, uh, especially the, the ruler of the people. There's a scripture that says, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. So it's never good to do that. It's never good to complain, Well, the government is is taking my money or doing this or doing that. Because God has established the government. And we read in Romans 13, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now, that is probably a good verse for every one of us to memorize. The powers that be are ordained of God. So if if there is a person living in a communist country who instituted that government, who, who 
um, allowed them to obtain power. God. Or, if there is an individual who's living in a dictatorship, uh, just just an evil, evil leader, he, he, he kills his own people, he, he tortures, he does just awful things, just like King Nebuchadnezzar. And who, ultimately, who put that individual in power? God did. When we read in the Bible of evil pharaohs, like the pharaoh at the time of the Exodus, God's the one who who put him in power. Remember, in also in the book of Romans, um, since we're here, we we read over in Romans chapter nine this statement in verse seventeen: For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. God raised up Pharaoh. God raised up the the Babylonians, ruled over by a fierce king, King Nebuchadnezzar, to come against his people of Judah. God is the one that ordains government, and and actually pretty much a rarity when there's a good government, when when there there are good rulers in power, but God raises them up also. Uh, yet, if there's an evil king, an evil president, uh, an, an evil uh, prime minister, God is the one finally that has raised him up and allowed him to obtain the position of power that he or she actually possesses. Well, it goes on here in Romans 13, verse 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. This is referring to trying to overthrow the 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 government trying to usurp the authority and power of the government i i know uh, the world uh, glorifies that idea and even good things can come from it we we know the 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 united states america um was founded upon a rebellion against um the rule of the english the british and Certainly God used it for good uh, in many ways in the sending forth of the gospel into the world and, and just in many ways. But it doesn't justify the initial action or rebellion. It, that rebellion, as well as all rebellions against governments, would go contrary to Romans 13, um, verse 2, that says, whoever resists the power resists the ordinance of God. There, there's no way around that. It, and so God is indicating he has established the power. The power is not to be resisted um, with violence or over, overthrow of any kind. If you can um, protest and if you can vote, the, the power out, that's fine, because God has given that 
manner or way to change the government, and that's that's all within the law. But there's not to be resistance outside of the law. Well, it goes on to say in verse 3, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. See, it says you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, that is, do not obey the government and submit to the rule of the government in power, no matter what type it is, not only because they they carry swords or today guns, not only because of that, but also for conscience sake, because it is God's ordinance. It, it is God's will that this government is in power, these particular leaders are in power, and it, it is by the will of God. It's not to be resisted. It is to be submitted to. And, and you are to be a subject of. And so we find that when Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are forcefully taken out of their country, Judah, their city, their, their home, and they're taken to Babylon, you know, uh, the natural-minded person can definitely resist. And, and all the while they're there, the natural-minded person is thinking, well, I'm going to escape and, and fight. And, uh, you know, they, they hate every moment of it. But, but God has already previously instructed his people to go into captivity, to submit to the king of Babylon. And, and so we find Daniel and his friends are obedient citizens. They, uh, while living in Babylon, um, they do submit to the law of the land. And, and they do submit to the government ruled over by the evil king Nebuchadnezzar. They, they're not trying to overthrow the government, to resist the government, uh, in all things lawful, in all things lawful, but I, I, I guess it sounds like a contradiction. They're not trying to resist the government. And here in Daniel 3, we find that the three young men are doing just that. They have been commanded by the king. It is a law he has given. He has a right to make laws. And his laws must be obeyed according to Romans 13. So are these three doing something wrong? Are they, uh, are, are they, uh, disobeying God? Are, are they failing 
to submit to the one ordained by God to rule and and to issue forth laws such as this? Well, see, this actually is teaching us another principle that that can be found throughout the Bible. And this principle is the the laws of kings and governments are to be obeyed, just as Romans 13 instructs us, and they are to be submitted to up until the point when a law is given that goes contrary to the law of God found in the Bible. For instance, in this case, in Daniel chapter 3, an image is made, a command is given, fall down and worship. Well, we read Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, where God said, Thou shalt make no image, nor fall down and bow down to it. It is directly um, in opposition to the law of God, to the commandment of God. And whenever a law is passed or a, or a law is made by men, and that law is in agreement with the law of God, that when when men make a law, you have to go uh, 55 miles per hour on this highway. Well, does that violate the law of God? In any way. And, and we can do a search of the Bible. And we find no. God doesn't get into that. And, and therefore the government can pass that law. Or if the, the law says you have to go one way in a one way street. Or if the law says um, you, you cannot break into another person's house. Well, God says thou shall not steal. So you see there's agreement with that law that the government passes, you, you cannot uh, break into someone's house, you cannot steal their property, it, it agrees and, and identifies with God's law, thou shall not steal. The law of the land says you cannot shoot someone or stab someone or kill them uh, in any way. The Bible, the law of God says thou shalt not kill. And so whenever governments pass laws that are in agreement with, they they actually uh, coincide and fit very well, they harmonize with the law of God, then obey. Obey. And, and there are many points that the Bible doesn't address, like speed limits and and stop signs and things like that. So the government has uh, free reign in that area. Obey. Obey. They, they are the lawful government. They can also tax. And in the Bible, uh, it, the Lord Jesus himself said, Give to Caesar that which is Caesar's. And when we look on our money, we find not Caesar, but presidents and, and so forth. Well, that identifies with this government. Give it to them if they want it in taxation. The the Bible has no problem with that, and God doesn't say 10% is a fair tax or 
And, and since the Bible doesn't address the amount or percentage, then the government also has leeway where they can tax whatever they want to tax. And, and the child of God, very humbly, seeking for conscience sake to do the will of God, submits to the government. May not like the government, we may not think it's a very good system of government, but we submit to the government. Yet, the moment the government says, you must bow down, you must fall down in worship, or, as the government of a nation like China, and just to be specific because uh, they're the only government that does this that I'm aware of, but in, in the nation of China, their government forcibly um, says to its citizens, because they, they have a, a tremendous population, I, I think it's approaching one and a half billion people, and, and they're very fearful uh, of just the numbers of people in their country, and, and as a result of this, it's caused them to make poor decisions and decisions that go contrary to the will of God. And and so they have declared that families can only have one child, and and if a family has another child, they must abort it. And and, and so it, it's a, a grievous sin against the, the law of God. It, it goes contrary to God's law because abortion is the taking of life, and the taking of life is murder, and God has said, thou shalt not kill. And, and, and so God's law, which supersedes the law of men, you, you, can, you can have men who, um, who rise up in the ranks, in their judicial system, and they, they uh, obtain the highest court, the Supreme Court, and and so it's very well respected um, and revered amongst men, and and to men, uh, once this court issues a decree, that's the final say on the subject. Well, that's again amongst men, but there's a higher court and a higher law, and God is the supreme judge. And his word, the Bible, the supreme law. And what the Bible says is the final word. What the Bible decrees is the final law. There is no law above the law of the Bible. There is no judge above God, the supreme judge. And, and so, when a nation, when its judges, when its legal system develop a law, and and they do so for various reasons, and that law contradicts the supreme law of God, then the child of God is placed in the same position as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and in their case... The, their government of Babylon uh, made a law that contradicts 
the law of one of the laws of the Ten Commandments. You shall not make an image or bow down to it. In the case of abortion in China, the law of the land has also violated one of the Ten Commandments, thou shall not kill. And a child of God cannot submit. We, we can very respectfully and, and, and very humbly and, uh, and we know we may have to face the consequences for refusing to submit, but we cannot submit. Now notice that's exactly how um, the the three Jews deal with this. In, in Daniel 3, it says in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Notice they do not take this as an opportunity to speak evil of the king, and they're they're very respectful. They they call him king. They recognize his rule. He he is the ruler of the country, uh, but they're just simply stating a fact that they serve a greater king. That they will not bow down nor worship his gods and serve them because. They serve the true God. They serve the King of Kings. And so they respectfully decline to obey on this point because it would violate the supreme law of the supreme king. And yet they're willing to suffer the consequences. They say, uh, our God will deliver us, but if not, but if not, we still will not serve, uh, we, we will not, uh, serve thy gods nor worship the golden image. We will not fall down. And that is always the case when we, uh, for conscience sake, must disobey the law of a government, the law of a land, the, the child of God is also willing to accept the consequences, and in this case it would be a burning, fiery furnace. You, you know, in our time, who knows what it could be? It could be a fine, it, it could be being thrown into prison, or it may be death in some countries. It may be in a Muslim nation where the law of the land requires the child of God to do something uh, that is contrary to the law of the Bible, and and they cannot, and so they they may face physical death. But the true believer, again, only because God has given them a spirit and a desire to do His will, they cannot bend. They 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 cannot give in on these points. And, and again, the world doesn't understand it. It's a little thing. You know, people like to say that. 
it, it, it's a little thing. I remember one time we we went to a church, and the church, uh, you know, it, it was at the uh, during the um, end of the church age or after the church age had ended, but we didn't know it. We we thought it was a time when churches were just being less and less faithful, and you had to find a reasonably faithful church. And we thought we found one where the pastor was teaching about hell at that time. We thought, well, that's a good thing, and and he uh, he, he just was teaching um, uh, solidly on several points. But there was this little matter of a head covering, and. They required a head covering in that uh, that denomination, and and many family radio listeners went to that church because this individual was on family radio, and and, and again he was teaching solidly in several areas, and even though all the family radio listeners realized that when God spoke of a head covering, it was. There is no need for women to wear an actual physical head covering, but it had to do, their hair was given them for the covering, and it, and it was just a picture of the covering over sin. And yet, when they, all these family radio listeners went into this congregation, after a while, you could not partake of the Lord's table, you, um, and and so forth, unless you wore a head covering. You could not be a member of the congregation, and so uh, more and more began putting on a head covering, even though they disagreed with it, saying it's just a little thing. What does it matter? And you know that's how Satan often works. It's a little thing in the scheme of things. It's a minor doctrine. It's a minor detail. So we we uh, compromise. We submit. We give in on this 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 little point. All right. The the Bible says a woman's not to teach, nor usurp authority over the man. And yeah, in in this church, uh, she's beginning to teach. Uh, a woman's beginning to teach a Sunday school class. Well, she's not preaching. She's not in the main worship service. It's outside of the main worship. Uh, you know, man can easily justify violating the law of God or in, in, in just so many ways. And the true believer, though, we're always uneasy with it. We're always... You know, it, it, it's not a little thing to the child of God because God's word says one thing and the world or this church or, or um, you know, by the way, we don't have to deal with that issue anymore because the church age is over and, and God has called his people out. But but the, uh, the church has uh, its other idea and, and there's been many... Um, people who were following the way of truth and, and yet they, they end up just submitting on that one point and joining the congregation. Yeah, I know they, their deacons are, um, they're single men and, uh, but, but in every other area, they're so solid and faithful. 
and and it just leads to more error, leads uh, to uh, uh, in a wrong direction, and and so the true believer just stays with the Bible, stays with the Bible, and we follow our conscience, our conscience. We may suffer for conscience sake, and, and God's people often do suffer for conscience sake, uh, because within us we, we just feel, oh, and know, well, this is what the Bible says, so I have to do that, and I'm sorry, I can't do what you want me to do. I, I cannot, um, uh, go against what the Bible says. Well, in uh, this situation, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are refusing to submit, that is, according to the biblical principle, we obey governments and all things lawful. All things lawful. And some people may, when when a child of God is saying they uh, obey a government and it's it's just a a terribly wicked government that's doing many things wrong. They may view the believer as spineless and and as someone that um, just you know how can how can you say you you obey this kind of government? And it's just they don't understand. We're really obeying God, who has ordained the government, and. You know, the, the child of God can't win in the eyes of the world. And on the other hand, when a situation, uh, as in Babylon in days of old occurs and the, the image is made and the command is decreed to fall down and worship and the children of God refuse, well then they're viewed in all probability in a negative way for their refusal, for their refusal to submit and to the king. Remember Micaiah. Now that might be a, a good place for us to go um, to finish out in 1 Kings 22. We read in 1 Kings chapter 22 of another situation uh, in a kingdom, in this case Israel, and the king of Israel has many prophets, and they all say what he wants to hear. It says in 1 Kings 22, verse 10, And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat each on his throne, having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Shenanah, made him horns of iron, and he said, Thus saith Jehovah, With these thou shalt push the Syrians until thou have consumed them. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth, Gilead, and prosper. For Jehovah shall deliver it into the king's hand. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, and speak that which is good. And Micaiah said, As Jehovah liveth, what Jehovah saith unto me, that will I speak. 
See, everyone else speaks with one mouth. They, they're all a part of, um, the government, the rule. They're, they're going the way, uh, that, that the nation is going. And, and so you speak as they speak. Speak good. Be patriotic, Micaiah. And, and uphold the king's desire to go to war and, and also, uh, while you're at it, uh, tell us all how we're going to be victorious. Speak like all the other prophets. But, it, you know, the child of God, it, it's not that we just want to be uh, contradictory. It, it It's just that we uh, are a, a different person. We're a different creature. God has made us a new creature. And we uh, have citizenship in another kingdom. Our desire is to another king. And and so when God speaks, when God has said something, we must declare it. We we have to follow it. It, it, it and it sets us apart. It, it it makes us different than the people of the world and the people that profess to be. God's people. It, there, there's just no mistaking the child of God. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.